It's now October 2020 and we have elections in the United States that give us a break from only hearing about the second wave on the news. But the polarity of the political landscape in the United States makes it very hard for me to engage in that conversation. It seems to me, and correct me if I'm wrong, that for most Americans, it's right or left, Democrat or Republican. This is not a reflection of reality because no one is 100% right or 100% left. And those categories definitely do not apply to our Catholic faith. There are policies proposed by the Democrats that are very Catholic in terms of immigration and health care, for example, just as there are some policies proposed by Republicans that are also Catholic, their objection to abortion, for example. And it is possible to be against abortion and against the death penalty, and at the same time to be for gun control and for compassionate immigration policies. And I know that I am greatly simplifying this, but slotting everyone and everything into these right or left categories, I think leaves most of us out of the debate. I believe that being Catholic calls us to maturity and openness in dialogue. It calls us to trust and to listening. It also calls us to recognize that life is not right or left, and that so often being a Christian means living in the tension between those two. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this is the Salt and Light Hour. Hello, and welcome to an all-new Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro, and... I am Billy Chan. I, Billy, you're out of practice. You forgot that you're supposed to say who you are. Um, I, 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 Billy, I'm so excited because we're starting a new season. This is season 13 of the Salt and Light Hour. How amazing is that? Um, season I'm, 13. 13. Yeah, lucky 13. <laughs> I'm, 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 just, I'm just really happy that we're able to continue doing this show um, and that I hope that our listeners are happy that we're also continuing yeah. to do the show. You know, you know, thanks to technology. I mean, you know, it's all because of technology. We can do a lot more if we do not have uh, Wi-Fi. It's you know, webcam. Yeah, I know, I know. And that's Billy's way of saying that he's at home <laughs> and I'm at home. And uh, who needs a studio when we can just do the show from home? Um, um, Billy, um, I know a lot of our listeners, and I, and I in June, as we were ending the season, the last season, we were asking people how they were doing with, with the situation. I know COVID has been very hard for people uh, yeah. in terms of jobs, just that. Yeah. So um, we've been lucky that we've been able to continue working. But uh, how, how, how was your summer? How, how did you find, how are your friends doing? How's your family doing? I just find the summer goes past by so fast. I know. Um, yeah, usually I will go here, go there, go to the farm, go to, uh, yeah. and, uh, you know, go out of the country. And, and my family is in Montreal, so I always in summer goes to Montreal, but not this year. You I mean, didn't go this year at all. I, I went one weekend, but mm-hmm. normally you will be much more because of the driving is a lot easier in the summer. So, um, but you know, yeah, but, but thanks to technology, I almost FaceTime to them every, every once in a while. I know, but are you finding that you need to get out of the house or that you're just like, cause you're working at home, living at home, eating at home, sleeping at home. 
Yeah, yeah. You, you, I, I think I need to create some kind of boundary. You know, sometimes yes. I do not even know. Oh, I need. You know, sometimes when you're at work, you see people leave. Then yes. you know what time it is. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and now you don't see anybody leave, so you're still working, and it's three in the morning. Um, how? How? I mean, here in in Toronto, where you and I both live, um, we've we've had mass. Yes, you know, yes. for since since May or yeah, I guess since May. So yeah. Um, but how are things in your parish? Are you still finding that it's? I guess people go with masks. Are a lot of people not going? You know, I find that it's harder and harder to get the tickets because more and more people going. I, oh, I'm, I'm glad about that. Good. <laughs> yeah. Sometime, you know, uh, you know, sometimes I forgot to actually go online and register. And register. And yeah. by by Friday, Saturday, I need to go and say, "Oh my oh, goodness, I need to wake up." At, that's very at good. Eight o'clock. You know, sometimes eight o'clock is the least people, right? Because yeah. not many people can go that early. And yeah, but it's map, a good yeah. sign. Yeah. Yeah. In our parish, it's still, some masses are not filled, but we do have a few masses mm-hmm. where you don't have to register to make it oh, easier okay. for, especially for seniors to, to come. And that, that one is usually well attended. And usually we can register a few people at the door, um, even if they oh, come in okay. late. But uh, I wish, that's one thing that I wish, you know, when we would normally would have 300, 350 people at, at mass. Now maybe there's a hundred and there's still a lot of people who are concerned scared worried about getting sick or who have yeah um but other sometimes it's, sometimes i find a bit a bit uh, weird because now the priest my in my parish i don't know about your parish in my parish uh the priests basically go around the church uh-huh. walk around the church and distribute the community here so you right. do not need to go out oh and uh, yeah. there is also other people to come to give you the sanitizer oh so basically, wow yeah, that's my parish. So basically, they give you sanitizer every single one. But you know, sometimes the sanitizer is not, doesn't have enough time to dry out. So right. your, your hand. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I know. And I'm, I'm distributing communion. So I yeah. sometimes will sanitize my hands, you know, three or four times throughout the mass. And, and then, yeah, I feel like my hands are still wet. Anyway, nobody has yeah. complained about sanitized tasting hosts. Exactly. Um, anyway, Billy, we're, this is, we're, we're totally already running out of time, but I wanted to yeah. let, let, let you and our, our, our listeners know what to expect in today's show. We have a, a back to our regular programs. Um, we're going to go to the Vatican and speak with a Vatican journalist today, Deborah Castellano-Lubov, uh, because as you nice. know, Billy, the Pope has a new encyclical. There's a new encyclical yeah, I, I that the Pope is, is signing this weekend. And, and so Deborah Castellano-Lubov will tell us uh, all that she can about that new encyclical. That's in about five minutes. And then uh, Mark Matthews is going to join us again uh, from California. He's our Hollywood undercover missionary. And uh, yes. he's going to tell, tell us why everyone is leaving Hollywood. Apparently, people are leaving Hollywood. So that's oh. uh, going to be in about 10 minutes. Yep. And then, Billy, you have a question. Yes, I have a question, a very serious question, because we heard this canon law for yeah. long time. And this question is about canon law. Okay, so we're going to find out about canon law. Let's see if I can answer your question. Uh, <laughs> that's in about 15 minutes. And then, Billy, have you heard the phrase, the family that prays together stays together? Yes. Okay, so yes. The, the priest that popularized that phrase, his name is Father Patrick Payton, his life oh. is now uh, a film that's called Pray, and it's produced by our friends at Family Theater Productions. Uh, and it's a fascinating story, I mean, about a priest who loved Mary, he loved the rosary, and he dedicated his life to promoting 
family prayer. So in our second half hour, we're going to be speaking with Father David Guffey. He's the executive producer of the film from Family Theater Productions. So that's a conversation that you don't want to miss. That's going to be in about 25 minutes. So we're going to learn about Father Patrick Payton and the film. And then we're going to be speaking with a singer-songwriter. Her name is Kay Clarity. And uh, she's a singer from Saskatchewan who now lives in California. Well, all our guests are in California this, this, today. That's great. Um, uh, in fact, Kate Clarity, you might have noticed, Billy, that she was featured on our Salt and Light web series, Hymns from Home, this past Tuesday. Yes. Um, so if you look yes. at Hymns from Home from this last week, uh, Kate Clarity is the singer there. She's been working on a, on a project that, uh, uh, of traditional chant music. And it's called Kasha and Myrrh. And so she's going to be here to tell us all about it. So we're going to meet Kay Clarity in about a half an hour, 40 minutes or so at the end of the show. So lots of great stuff happening today, Billy. So if you want to sit tight, we're going to listen to a song. And then in a little bit, we'll come back and we can talk about canon law. Okay? Okay. Okay. So just to get everybody in the mood, here's Kay Clarity with her haunting song, Sometimes. Sometimes if I fall Would you come and pick me up? Sometimes if I break Would you fight my war for a while? Sometimes if That was Kay Clarity with her song, Sometimes. And we're going to be speaking with Kay Clarity in about 30 minutes. So I hope that you can stay tuned for that. But first, Pope Francis is writing a new encyclical. And to learn more about it, earlier this week, I spoke with Vatican journalist Deborah Castellano-Lubov. 
Deborah, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. Thank you very much for having me on today. So the Pope is writing a new encyclical. What can you tell us? Yes, well, this is the Holy Father's third encyclical following his initial one that was largely written by uh, Pope Benedict in which Pope Francis finalized Lumen Fide and then Mm -hmm. the very important Laudato Si on the environment, the first papal encyclical on uh, ecology and caring for our common home. Mm -hmm. This encyclical will actually be on human fraternity and it'll be called Fratelli Tutti, which in Italian, uh, it it comes, if if you were to translate directly from Italian, it would be all brothers, Uh, but actually in Italian, um, it means more siblings, so yes. it would be inclusive for, for women, but it's expected to build largely on the theme of human fraternity, and perhaps you remember that during the historic trip, the first trip of a pope to the Arabian Peninsula in February mm-hmm. of 2019, there was the famous uh, document on human fraternity that Pope Francis signed with the grand imam of Al-Azhar. Right. So it's expected to develop on that as well. So is it fair to assume that it will, I mean, human fraternity, but that it will deal with interreligious or interfaith relations, that kind of fraternity? That will be a, a big element within it, but I think it's going to be more developing the Christian um, Catholic side of, of things as well, because the initial document in Abu Dhabi was tied to more relations with Islam and promoting religious freedom right. and condemning radicalism, uh, radicalization. I was there uh, on the papal uh-huh. flight for that encounter. It was very, Wonderful. very moving. Yeah. But obviously, Pope Francis now sees that with this pandemic that the entire world is suffering from and its dramatic consequences, that there's a need to kind of put forward his own agenda for sort of a world after the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And we've seen some clues in his speeches uh, recently and messages and some of the upcoming events that are on his agenda. Right. Do you know if, if he would have started writing this after the pandemic started? Yes. It's something that he's been working on for a while from, okay. from what I've understood. So it's been being more and more developed to include um, that, right. but it's been in the works for a while. In, yeah. And now I think it's significant that uh, um, it's going to be released officially October 4th. So it's the Feast of St. Francis and he's traveling yeah. to Assisi. Uh, right. to where he will sign the document. Uh, w- w- you mentioned the title, Fratelli Tutti, um, that I believe, you didn't say it, but I believe it will be translated. We maybe don't know how it's going to be translated, but uh, brothers and sisters all uh, comes, right. from a, comes from something that St. Francis wrote or said. Right, the admonitions, exactly. And the editorial director of the Vatican has since stated that there will not be a translation of the title into okay. English, similar to Laudato Si. So Andrea Tornielli has clarified okay. that this should be always just Fratelli Tutti, just like Laudato Si stayed yep. verbatim from the like scriptural, well, in that mm-hmm. case, the canticle. Yes. Uh, you know, and, and in this case, the admonitions without changes. So hopefully it shouldn't be some are saying hijacked by um, a misunderstanding because the last thing that 
Pope Francis would want would to be not inclusive of women through a title that is strictly a verbatim especially, uh, quote. Especially on a, an encyclical that has to do with fraternity. And even fraternity is a, is a masculine word, but we understand that it doesn't mean just uh, between brothers who are male. I mean, we understand fraternity as being humankind, uh, men and women. Um, you mentioned Absolutely. you mentioned that that you've seen clues in some of the things the Holy Father has been saying uh, over the last months. Uh, is there anything, yes. your own personal instinct or or, or hopes uh, that you that you have for this particular document? Well, I believe that it's really going to call for a much more global sort of um, fraternity. And even not just in the past months, but even from the start of the pontificate in the World Day of Peace in 2014, Pope Francis had titled that Fraternity Foundation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so this is something that has been sort of in his heart from, from the beginning. And this pandemic has, to some extent, led him to bring all these ideas together. We had known before everything uh, started happening that Pope Francis was looking forward to the economy of Francesco event in Assisi um, mm-hmm. that was postponed and um, an educational uh, compact that um, he had planned and these events have been postponed but are, but are coming up. But there's a strong focus at, on young people too at the heart of these okay. events. And yeah. I expect to see that in the document as interesting, well. Interesting. Interesting. I, I, I look forward to that actually as well. Um, Deborah, we're going to leave it there. Um, uh, very excited from what you were telling us about this document. And uh, maybe we can have you back another time to tell us more about this or other things that are happening okay. in the Vatican. So it's been great chatting with you. Thank you so much. Deborah Castellano-Lubov is a senior Vatican correspondent for Zenit. She's the author of The Other Francis, Everything They Did Not Tell You About the Pope, published by Grace Wing. I spoke with her earlier this week, and you can follow her at Deborah Lubov. Hi, this is Ryan Tremblay, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. If you missed any part of this program or to listen to any interview again, go to saltandlighttv.org and check out our podcasts. All our programs are archived there. Now it's time for What's Good in Hollywood with our Hollywood undercover missionary, Mark Matthews. Mark, welcome back. Thank you, Pedro. Good to be "Quote unquote," here again. Yes, you're we're all here. virtual, all over the world right now. All the way in California. You had a good summer. Um, I did. I've been working from home all summer and going a little bit crazy, but otherwise, you know, happy to have a job still. So, yes, so that's good. Absolutely happy to have a job. And I guess those fires in California not bothering you too much. Uh, we had a lot of smoke. Uh, thankfully, didn't bother my lungs or anything like that. But yeah, but yeah, it's been really smoky here for the last month. So. It's been really and, bad. And, and sadly, a lot of my friends are leaving town, too. But um, because, okay. <laughs> which is actually kind of what I want to talk about. It yeah. basically is so, you know, the stereotype of everyone being a waiter or waitress, 
in a, or every actor being right. a waiter or waitress during the day is very true. Right. And so with all the restaurants and bars closed, all the jobs have dried up. Oh my gosh, I didn't even think them. I didn't even think of that. I was thinking that the film industry kind of shut down for a bit there, but you you're right, the restaurant industry. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, the restaurant industry and bar industry which pretty much supports all the aspiring actors right has shut down you know in addition to all production being shut down as well mm -hmm. too because oh that's too many people on set mingling and whatnot and so so yeah so it's been it's i by my count i now have 15 friends who are all leaving town and that's not uncommon other oh friends are God. like oh yeah i've got a ton of friends leaving too wow so so yeah and they're all great catholic you know, people who are intent on, you know, evangelizing Hollywood and, and, you know, they're all leaving. And so it's, it's kind of depressing for me. I'm like, oh, I'm all alone here. So now. You're the, no. you're the only Hollywood mission, undercover missionary left. <laughs> for, for the most part, <laughs> it certainly feels that way. So what does it, what so, does it mean? I mean, all kidding aside, what, was, so what does it mean? That there yeah. But so that, that is a great, great question. And, and that's kind of what I've been asking myself. So I've mentioned on one of my previous shows that pandemics have always changed the world, you know, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes bad, sometimes in good ways, but they've always left permanent changes. And so I've kind of, I've been going, well, how is this going to change the quote unquote mission field of, of Hollywood and media in general? And so I, I, you know, if you, you listen to the experts, you know, and this is what I see too, they say, well, it's accelerating a lot of changes, trends we were seeing already. So some of these trends I would call like the digitalization thing. So um, people moving to virtual sets, you know, or animation or vi visual effects just because they can't have people together. Right. Um, and, and also uh, a lot of things of like what I would call like, you know, just lone wolf content creators, you know, these vloggers that you find on YouTube uh -huh. um, or even, you know, Kevin James, I think is interesting. He's yes. been producing shorts, you know, just himself, you know, green screened into yep. movies and things like that. And so it, it's indicative of a deepening divide between very big VFX heavy productions and uber, uber cheap production. It's kind of like, why spend money to make content people yep. to watch if, hey, they're already happy watching free content that you and me just make on our own right. kind of a thing. And if you look at the stats for this, it, it's stunning. I think that between in the 18 to 35 year old category, YouTube is the second preferred platform for any kind of like screen yeah. media viewing. Yeah, it's crazy. That blows my mind because I don't get I, it. I, yeah, yeah ab absolutely. And the numbers, even like for the amount of content watched, you know, it's like, I think almost like a half hour or an hour a day per each one of those people, you know, in that, in that age range. And mm. so... You know, you just think you're like, well, wow, what does this mean, you know, for mm -hmm. the future of media? And it kind of, you know, you know, I, I come from an era, you know, where say, you know, my values might have been shaped by sitcoms. It's like, well, those don't exist anymore. Yeah. You know, and a lot of the people who are here in the industry, it's like, those are the kind of things, you know, we want to affect for the better. Yeah. But it's like, well, if, you know, the youth of today aren't watching those things, if they're being, you know, influenced by all these other YouTube channels and vloggers and everything like that, it's like, maybe my friends are actually making the right decision. You know, yeah. maybe they're, you know, going home to maybe work content creators like this are, or that are doing it themselves. Hmm. Interesting. So, so yeah, very interesting trend for sure. It has me asking, doing a lot of soul searching and asking questions. But is that, is that a good thing then? Do, do you see signs of hope there? I'm not sure. Um, 
Yeah, so th things, things aren't all doom and gloom here. Um, they are restarting some small crews. Uh, some theaters are reopening. The theater mm -hmm. business is, is a huge sort of in risk. Um, there's also, very interestingly, a new production company that started up called Renovo Media Group. Oh, yeah? Renovo meaning renew in Latin. And they are founded out of rural Iowa. So hmm. I have a friend who's a writer. He went to go work for them. <laughs> we are just marveling at the size of property you could get for this dirt cheap rent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and kind of the idea is like, hey, again, it's way cheaper and easier to make a lot of this content, you know, kind of outside of Hollywood. So, you know, try making it there. So, so I think, I think these are all kind of like signs of things to come. So, yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, and you might've said this when we spoke about pandemics and all that in the past, but it certainly meant that people have to be more creative and we have seen that. So there's great yes. creativity. There's lots of crap too, but there's lots of <laughs> great creativity. Yeah. No shortage and, of crap. There'll always be crap. Yeah. There's always, but, but that's great. Um, um, yeah. Yeah, YouTube. There you go, Mark. So yeah, you yeah. your undercover YouTube. missionary YouTube channel. There we go. That's where you'll see me next. There you go. Okay. What's good in Hollywood that's making people leave? Um, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. And uh, I hope things get a little better, at least for those yeah, restaurant please. owners. Yeah, well, yeah, them and keep, keep us all in your prayers. There's a lot of people struggling financially here. Yes. Okay. Definitely. Keep... Uh, not just the people in Hollywood, but everyone in your prayers. Thank you, Mark Matthews, all the way from Thank you, Pedro. California. Thank you, Pedro. What's good in Hollywood with Mark Matthews, our undercover Hollywood missionary. You can follow him at HU Missionary. Hey, I'm Sarah Kroger, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. If you want to contact us, just email me, Pedro, at saltandlighttv.org. You can also find me, Deacon Pedro, on Facebook, also on Twitter or Instagram, at Deacon Pedro GM. And now it's time for... Church for Dummies! With Billy Chan. <laughs> Billy, you have a question about... It has been so long to, talk, to say the word Church for Dummies. <laughs> can I say it one more time? Just for, dummies. for dummies. There you go. <laughs> At least you came in this time. They were supposed to come in when it's your turn. Um, yeah. Okay. So, uh, yes, I have a question. Um, uh, I just, you know, they are always talking about canon law. And the first time when I heard about canon law, I thought it's about camera. <laughs> <laughs> about cameras. Yes. Can okay. No. So, what is you know what is canon law and is if there is any like lawyer and do we have a yes. court do we have a judge yes or... yes yeah wow. so canon law is basically church law it's not like god's law so what, what the church would call positive law is god's law or natural law this is just laws that deal with the day-to-day -day running of the church so oh. um so uh, you know the 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 rules around celebrating sacraments or the liturgy or how to how to do formation of priests or you know those those things the the probably the biggest at least i i'm i had to study canon law because of the marriage because as a, a minister of marriage as a okay. deacon, I have to understand. So canon law would, would tell you who can marry who, what you require in order for a Catholic oh. to marry a non-Catholic. Uh, all, all those things are, 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 are canon law. Um, so, so yeah, th that's what I would say. There are lawyers, there are canon lawyers, and they function very similar to regular lawyers would function. And there are... Uh, so there, there is a Well, I know there's a marriage tribunal, so that's like a court as well okay. that deals with marriage cases but there might be other kind of uh 
tribunals that I'm not sure maybe some of our listeners will know if there's a canon law tribunal dealing with other issues. So you will get sued if you do something wrong in a church? No, no. So it doesn't, no. Um, I never heard of that. <laughs> um, but, but, but there might be disputes. And again, I, I can use marriage as an example. Okay. Um, if, if, if a couple... If a, if a person wants to get remarried, they've been already married in the church, then we have to follow what the, what the rules say in terms of getting an annulment, uh, what those regulations are, how to find out whether a marriage is valid or not valid. So, so that would require the work of a, of a, of a canonist, a canon lawyer, um, in the same way that, you know, things like, can the Pope resign? That's covered by oh, canon law. Okay. Um, um, uh, uh, so can you, can you offer said, mass? Can you offer mass for someone yeah. who's not Catholic? You know, all those things are covered by Catholic uh, by 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 uh, canon law. So there is a committee. Is it is there a committee to actually revise or or talk about it? Think about it. Research um, about it. I I don't know if there's a committee, but there would have been maybe a commission. I know the 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 last code of canon law was revised in 1983, so that would have been under Pope uh, John. Paul the second, um, and it ha- the previous one was 1917, I think. So it's mm-hmm. likely that it'll get revised as things uh, change. Uh, we recently had a change to the Code of Canon Law that had to do with uh, the teaching on capital punishment, on the death penalty. So I that's see. an update. Um, and I guess when they have enough things to update, they would change it now. I don't know if it's the Pope that has to actually promulgate the change to canon law, if all the changes have to go through the office of the Pope. Um, but I'm sure that if there would be uh, a situation where it had to be officially updated, there would probably be a commission that would be set up for that. I see. So uh, can I actually understand it like this? All the rules or all the laws that uh, in the canon law uh, is always um, aligned or aligned with Bible or aligned with it's it's aligned with with Catholic teaching and and I'm glad you mentioned that because I always like to tell people that canon law even though it's law it, it's it's a it's it's actually a very pastoral document and and I use the example like canon 1055 which is the canon the first canon in the marriage section mm-hmm. it, it says so this is the law the matrimonial covenant by which a man and a woman establish them between themselves a partnership of the whole of life and which is ordered by its nature to the good of the spouses and the procreation and education of offspring has been raised to the dignity of sacrament, has been raised by Jesus Christ to the dignity of sacrament. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't sound like it's a law. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like it's a pastoral document. It's giving you this beautiful definition of marriage. And then, of course, then everything is based on that. What is matrimonial consent? Uh, what if one person is Catholic, the other person is not Catholic? What if person's, one person is baptized? What if they're not baptized? Um, uh, and, and all the like, kind of nitty-gritty of, of, of uh, how to do the business of the church. Yeah. Okay, one last question. Um, yep. Is there any jail in Vatican? <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't think there's a jail, although there is a, there is a pontifical council. There is a, a, a Vatican agent, organi- uh, department that's called the penitentiary. Okay. That sounds like penitentiary, but it's it has to do with the penitence and, mm. and penance and not with the penitentiary putting people in jail. No, there is no jail. Um, okay. <laughs> but but canon law would regulate, for example, if someone has to be excommunicated. Oh, um, okay. So, so 
that's the consequence, right? That could be a consequence. It depends on what it is. But it's not like these are laws that if you break them, you're going to go to jail. These are laws that are going to say like, this is the way we should do things. And if you don't do them mm-hmm. this way, then either they're not valid or you have to do them again or we need to fix it. Okay. Oh, okay. that's what I would okay. say. That's what I would say, Billy. That's, okay. that's not harsh, but it sounds like it's very harsh according to God. Well, according to God, yes, there are some yeah. things that we have to do and, and God is, but God is not just justice. He's also mercy. So we have to remember that as well. <laughs> Thank you, Pedro. You're very welcome. Billy Chan, it's good to have you back. Uh, Billy is good our to see web, you. It's our web, Billy Chan is the webmaster at Salt and Light Media. You can follow him at Chan. Coming up in our second half hour, the life of Father Patrick Payton, and we learn about Kasha and Murr with singer Kay Clarity. So stay tuned. Welcome to the Salt and Light Hour Part 2. I'm Deacon Pedro. Surely most of you have heard the phrase, the family that prays together stays together. Or maybe you've heard the phrase, a world at prayer is a world at peace. Well, I have both those bumper stickers on my car. But those phrases are much more than catchy bumper stickers. They are perhaps mottos for the man who popularized them, the rosary priest or the Hollywood priest, Father Patrick Payton, a man who came to America seeking fortune from Ireland and then ended up not just being a priest, but dedicating his life to promoting family prayer. And that's the story of the new film, Pray, the story of Father Patrick Payton. And to tell us more, I'm now joined by Father David Guffey of Family Theater Productions. Father David, it's so good to have you on the program. Thank you, Deacon Pedro. Thanks for having me. So, I mean, I've given a little bit, and I think some people might be familiar with Patrick Payton, but but what is it about the story of Patrick Payton that makes it one that has to be told? It's the story of a man who is absolutely driven by his love for the Lord and his love for the Blessed Mother mm. to try to build up families because he believed that families were really the heart of the church. He called the family the domestic church and that families ultimately were the heart of society. And he dedicated his whole life to trying to strengthen families by encouraging them to pray, especially pray the rosary. Now, I know that obviously uh, you at Family Theater Productions probably had, you know, a, a basement room full of, of reels and, and, and footage of Father Patrick Payton. Um, why, why do you think that this project is coming together now? I mean, you could have done it probably 10 years ago. I think it's coming together now. Uh, for one thing, uh, we were able to digitize all that great footage that we had. And in digitizing it, we found that there were, Father Peyton's words seemed so relevant for today. Uh, uh, the challenges for the family, the need for something to draw families together. And so we wanted to tell the story again for a new generation. We had no idea that um, when we started making the film three years ago that that would be released in the kind of circumstances we're in now. Right. Even that's providential, I think, because families are spending so much time together. Families are under such strain because of all the things going on in the world. And our great hope is this film can be a support to them. Mm -hmm. I was going to ask you about that, about, about how, because it's, some people would argue that this is not the best time to release a film, but, but as you say, maybe it is. And isn't it great that maybe one of the first films that people will see in a theater is this film. Absolutely. And that was when we, we prayed about it and thought about it a lot. Some of the decisions we had to make months ago 
and but we we've decided to stick with the theatrical it will be available in digital digitally after the first of the year in early 2021 mm-hmm. but we wanted people to have the chance to see this in in theaters for a couple of months right um and and we'll let people know but i guess since we've talked about it it'll be october 9th is the release date and it'll be in limited theaters across the united states um and we'll get all that information in a little bit um i'm curious to know i know you said that you were de- digitizing the footage um can you tell me a little bit more about how the project came about or or kind of how how you went from oh why don't we tell the story of patrick payton we've got all this great footage to 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 what the film is now which is not I mean, I want you to tell us a little bit about the film because I think it's done in a way that is very contemporary and very relevant to people today and not just telling the story of someone who lived, you know, who died 20 years ago. Thank you. Yeah, we there were a number of documentaries about Father Peyton already out there um, and a number of different groups have done little stories about him. Most of them focused on him and his work. A lot of them were really heavily focused on his work in Hollywood. And we do touch on that because it's really interesting. Mm-hmm. But um, we, with our film, also wanted to show the relevance of Father Peyton's legacy today. And so with the story of Father Patrick Peyton, we also introduced through little vignettes people whose lives were touched by him when he was alive. And then also people who, were, who took to heart his message after he had passed. Families that today... Um, we're using uh, Father Peyton's ideas, uh, Father Peyton's call, we're acknowledging Father Peyton's call to prayer to strengthen their own families. And so it, 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 you've got something that's old and, and something that was part of Father Peyton's life throughout his years of ministry, but also you see families that are doing it and what, mm-hmm. what it brings, the gifts that it brings to their family. Yeah, and, I, and, and for me, that makes, that makes the film really hit home. Because it's not about, like I said, some some story from a long time ago. It's it's really relevant today as well, um, and it also makes sense that as part of the release with the film, there's this prayer campaign. Can you tell us about that? Sure. We didn't want the film to just be about uh, the Father Peyton story, but we wanted we really want to encourage families to pray together. Um, many families do um, mm-hmm. grace at meals and perhaps a few other times, but we really want to encourage you to give daily family prayer a try whatever that means for your family. We recommend the rosary. Maybe your family's not there to start yet. We have resources of how to get started on our website, praythefilm.com. If you go to the prayer resources section, you'll find information about the Pray Together Now campaign. We're inviting families to make a pledge to pray together as a family or, or to pray with those that you love most, for those mm-hmm. of you who are single, um, for 35 days and just give it a good shot and then see what happens. Wow. I, don't think, I don't think people will be disappointed. That's great. So people can get all that information at praythefilm.com, the website. Yes. Um, how, many, how many people you want to join in? 10 million? 10 million. Uh, and 10? We, took, we took that because that was Father Peyton's original goal in 1941. Wow. That's right. When he started the first family rosary crusade. And over his life, he far exceeded that. Yes. I mean, he appeared before audiences over, over 28 million people. He was on radio and television and all these things. So um, we wanted to you know, renew that renew that goal of his in our day too. Wonderful, wonderful. So obviously uh, one of your hopes is that, that this film will, will, will encourage or inspire people to, to, to begin praying at home as a family. Um, but do you have, Father David Guffey, any other hopes for this film? It's, it's, people are going to be watching it in theaters next week. So what are your hopes? 
One is I just hope people are entertained. Spoken like a good film producer. <laughs> when, when, we've, uh, when we've showed this film to distributors and then even in non-Catholics and or not people that, that don't have any particular faith, they've, some, they cry, they laugh, they, they've, they really have enjoyed the film. I hope that your audience does too. And I, I hope that in days where there's so much that divides us, I think we can all agree family is the most important thing in, in all of our lives. And we all want our families to be more united and prayer can help do that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and a family that prays together, <laughs> stays together in a world stays of together. prayers, a world of peace. Um, so those are, those are, uh, you know, kind of great phrases to live by. Um, so October 9th, opening in limited theaters across the United States. Um, hopefully it'll come to Canada one day. Um, mm-hmm. um, um, but as you said, it also will be uh, on demand in the new year. But we want to encourage people to go to the theater this weekend, the ninth, the weekend of the ninth, um, and try to watch the film. Because uh, my understanding is the more people go, the more likely the film will, will continue playing over the next weeks, correct? That's right. That'll, that'll, and the other thing I'd really recommend is that people buy tickets in advance. For, and for this reason, a lot of theaters are limited capacity. Right. So you don't want to get to the theater and find out they could only have 25 people seated in a particular theater and then you list out. So I would really encourage you to go to the website, praythefilm.com. There's a, there's a little button on the opening page of where you can find theaters and then go to the theater and buy a ticket in advance. Okay, great. Absolutely. I'm sure a lot of our listeners are going to be going to get tickets right now. Mm-hmm. Um, Father David, it's so good to, to, good to see you and good to speak to you today. Thank you for telling us about the film. Thank you, my friend. God bless. Father David Guffey is the executive producer of Prey, the story of Patrick Payton, a new film which will be in theaters starting this October 9th to find a theater near you and to learn how you can join the Pray Together Now movement. Go to PrayTheFilm.com and to listen to this interview again, go to our website, saltandlighttv.org. Here now is our featured artist of the week, Kasha and Murr, with a song written for persecuted Christians, particularly in Nigeria, Noli Timere, from her new project, Catholic Chapters. Noli Timere, Noli
That was Kasha and Murr with Noli Timere, which means do not be afraid, from her new project, Catholic Chapters. Kay Clarity is a mainstream singer-songwriter who, growing more and more informed by the liturgical traditions of the church, decided to share her voice in a specifically Catholic context. And that's how Kasha and Murr began. But very soon, she embarked on a specifically Catholic project titled Catholic Chapters, which will feature some traditional and well-known Catholic chants, as well as some original pieces, like the one we just heard. The project is 100% crowdfunded, and to tell us more, I'm now joined by Kay Clarity. Kay, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. Thank you for having me. So you're joining us from California. I I was mentioning earlier that I had three guests on the show today, and they're all in California. (laughs) So there you go. Must be a good thing, Um, uh, instead of us who are already freezing here in Canada. (laughs) Um, there's a reason why you moved. <laughs> um, yes. I have to ask you, Kay, about your, about your name. Kay Clarity is your stage name, if I can say mm-hmm. that, or your professional name. Yeah. Kasha and Murr is obviously not your name. It's, yeah. it's like, a, like, a, like a space for artists. So can you tell us a little bit about those two names and, 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 and who you really are? <laughs> sure. So uh, Kay Clarity, I'll just, I won't, I won't give the full background, but it is derivative of my given name. And it's, it's the name I've been functioning with for a few years now. And what most people know me as in the world, you know, I have kind of a, an inner circle that has some of my more private <laughs> background, but that's, that's how right. most people know me now. And Kasha and Murr came from Psalm 145. And the way I've explained it in the past is that it, it comes from a line that says we offer Kasha and aloes and myrrh to the Lord mm-hmm. and Kasha aloes and myrrh just didn't have the same ring. <laughs> so right. we go with Kasha and myrrh and it's just to kind of enter into that um, long tradition of understanding prayer and especially music as incense to the Lord. Yes. And it's so that's, that's the, that's where the name comes it's from. It's a beautiful, beautiful concept. Um, now you describe yourself as a mainstream artist or mainstream singer mm-hmm. and, and writer, but, but are you, is it mainstream? Is it Catholic? Is this, are you just mm-hmm. doing a Catholic project, but you're also doing mainstream? Um, is, is Kasha and Myrrh because you want to be able to do more Catholic stuff? Can you explain that? Yeah, I'm really glad you asked because I like to be able to explain it. I see them as distinct categories of my work. So the mainstream work uh, is that everything I do in my life, I approach as a Catholic and everything Mm -hmm. about my faith is very organically knit into 
whatever I write. But as a mainstream writer, uh, while it's not necessarily hard to find the richness of the Catholic faith sort of bleeding into a lot of my work, um, it's not something that is niched into just a Catholic market. And my, right, my right. goal with it is to just tell good stories, you know, kind of like the, the literary greats from the 50s, you know, yeah. like Flannery O'Connor. and Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but, and I'm glad you said that because my sense, like the song that we heard at the beginning of the program sometimes, which is a, a beautiful song. I'm so, I'm so happy that you've introduced me to that song. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't say that it's a Catholic song, but obviously it's infused with who you are yeah. as a Catholic that... Totally. You know, and I have this conversation with Catholic artists all the time, you know, so it, what makes Catholic music, the fact that it's the fact that you're Catholic as a writer or the fact yeah. that it has a Catholic theme um, yeah. doesn't have to be chant to be Catholic. Exactly. Um, There's there is something of a Catholic heart in it all. And I think yeah. it, it's, it fits well with sort of the literary tradition that we've we've all had, I think. As a Catholic, you you get this rich tradition that you get to bring to everything you do, and yeah. that's an asset, not a not mm-hmm. a plague. You know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So then, Catholic chapters, which mm-hmm. is can I say the first project under for Kasha and Murr? Exactly. Yep. Um, it's it's an album or several albums. Can you explain how how that works and how it got inspired? Yes. Uh, so for a long time, I had wanted to do something distinctly Catholic because, as I said, they're distinct things. In For me, they're, they're distinct categories of work. And so I found I wanted to most just be a conduit of the tradition of the church as I fell in love with it more and more and to make it less about me and my personality or even my voice and have that be more in the backdrop and it be more just about the music and the tradition and about God and his church. So the long-term goal is to have more people involved. For now, it's just me. And the Catholic Chapters Project specifically is essentially a four-part album. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So a four-part album and some of it is well-known traditional Catholic hymns and chants? Mm-hmm. So the four, can I explain the four different chapters? Would that be yep. good? Yep. All right. So the first is the main focus, and that's the most loved Gregorian chants of the church, the most familiar ones, done in my voice, just very simply. The second chapter will be hymns in Latin and English, the ones that have sort of stood the test of time over centuries, and also to be able to shine a light on the beauty of the Latin language. The third is the devotional song, so that's going to be sort of the Noli Timere, or the one that you might play later. Mm -hmm. And the fourth chapter is a rosary recitation chapter, where I, I use the Latin prayers of the church in original compositions underneath. And that'll be in Latin and English as well. Okay, wow. So mm. that's, I mean, really, it sounds like it's four albums. <laughs> <laughs> it's ambitious. It basically is. I mean, sometimes you, you embark on something, but I think it felt important for me to do all, all four components, um, both because I had all these different things I wanted to share, but also it, there's something kind of pedagogical and sort of going through the different distinct components yeah it's almost like it's building one is building on the other or one informs mm-hmm. the other so you can't do totally. the traditional hymns in latin and english if you haven't done gregorian chant first and you can't mm-hmm. go into some of your contemporary compositions without mm-hmm. having to do some of the latin and even though i mean noli mm-hmm. temere is latin the whole song is not in latin but it's a, it's an original you wrote that song yeah 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 i think that's what you're capturing something because the the, knowing the Gregorian of the church actually flows into all of our work. And so that's what I'm seeing is it, it gives you an, a contemplative heart and a different approach even to the more contemporary work. Right, 
Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so to finish, or I guess to start the project, you have to finish <laughs> funding it. And, yes. and, and that deadline is October 7th, correct? Yes. Um, so how can people, how can people help? Well, I've got a lot of different tiers there, tiers available on the site, and they can check that out. But everything is at catholicsong.com. And we're about halfway to our goal. And I would love to see us do the whole thing by October 7th. Okay, good. And, and just to recap, so the song that we just heard, Noli to Mary, that will be in the new album? Yes, on the, in the third chapter. And we're going to end the program with I Am Your Light. That's also a contemporary, one of your, your songs, but it's also going to be on the album. Yes, as well as some other traditional hymns, like How Can I Keep From Singing and, and other songs that people will, will love as well. And can they hear some of that at that website so that they have a sense of what the album's going to be like? Yes, they've got there are some samples there and they can check it all out on YouTube from there as well. Okay, great. So catholicsong.com, that's really easy. Yes. Kay, it's so good to meet you. Um, I'm sorry you had to leave Saskatchewan and, and move to California. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but it's been I really love good. being here, but I do I do miss my family and friends at home. Yes, of course, of course. And even the winter once in a while. Yeah, yeah. If the winter would be okay if it wasn't so long. Yeah. But mm-hmm. uh, great meeting you. Uh, great hearing about this project. And, and I hope our listeners are also falling in love with your voice and with your music and uh, will want to support you. So catholicsong.com. There, go and, and support Kasha and Murr. Um, okay. Once again, thank you for being with us and uh, all the best. Thank you so much for having me. You can learn more about Kay Clarity and Kasha and Murr at the website, as she mentioned, catholicsong.com. Here now is Kasha and Murr with another track from that new album, Catholic Chapters, I Am Your Light. Little one, you must not fear Though the darkness Closes in strong. I'm your light. I'm your light. I'm your light. I'm your listening to Kasha and Murr with another track from the new album, Catholic Chapters, I Am Your Light. And that will bring us to the end of the program this week. Remember that if you missed any part of the program, you can stream or podcast all our Salt and Light Hour programs at saltandlighttv.org. Just look for podcasts. That's also where we post links to our artists or guests. You can also get the Salt and Light Hour as a podcast wherever you get your podcasts. 
So let people know about the show so that we can make sure that a lot of people are getting the show. And when you're there, make sure you give us lots of likes and stars to make sure that we can continue doing this podcast. Thank you for being with us today. I pray that you're all well and keeping safe. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this has been the Salt and Light Hour. <laughs>